0: Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. I'm sure you like, who's this voice? Yes, I'm back after a long while, uh, taking a little bit of a break. Thank you to uh, Asanda Matzaunyan, who did a fantastic show when I was away and uh, really did a great job standing in for me. Thank you for joining us here on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. And thank you for joining us on our other platforms as well here on Channel Africa. Well, today we're looking at uh, a very big story in terms of uh, southern Africa, something that we don't really, really focus on. And uh, but uh, there has been uh, a huge consequence when we saw that two year long El Nino um, that's drought that took place and uh, lasted until uh, 2016 but we also saw it in uh, the beginning of 2017 but uh, we're looking at uh, these weather patterns in southern Africa especially because South Africa's Western Cape province is battling a water shortage that has left residents wondering if there will be water the next day as Cape Town scrambles for water the rest of South Africa has been urged also to save money uh, to save water as much as they can. The Department of Water and Sanitation say Disaster Management was administered by the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs uh, and that funds would be allocated from the uh, Department's uh, Disaster Budget. Uh, but the Minister of uh, uh, South Africa's uh, uh, Water and Sanitation Affairs says uh, uh, that, uh, that uh, uh, she's already stressed that uh, saving water is really an individual's responsibility. I'm not sure is that. The government is very important when it comes to that particular issue but uh, in our studio we're joined by uh, Wandile Pu and uh, we also uh, have Professor Yong Shin Zhu who is the Professor of uh, Hydrogeology at the University of the Western Cape and the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organisation and a Chair in Groundwater there and uh, also we'll see if we can get uh, the spokesperson of South Africa's Department of Water and Sanitation. Let me start with you, Wandila, in our studio, who's joining us from the Water Research Commission. Uh, thank you, Wandila, for giving us your time. Uh, in terms of uh, how serious uh, the effects of the El Nino droughts that we've seen in Southern Africa in uh, the past uh, uh, three years, we're starting to see more of the effects now, but we saw uh, that drought actually having an impact uh, in the, the Southern African region. Tell us a little bit about how that affected countries such as South Africa and neighboring countries.
2: Uh, Good morning uh, and good morning to your listeners. Um, The drought in South Africa and the Southern African region as a whole uh, started a little way back towards the end of 2013, Mm -hmm. early 2014 and it has been ongoing for a good number of years now in parts of the of the region. Specifically, as you mentioned, in the Western Cape, is still very intense there sure. and really having a huge impact in terms of water resources. Uh, the impact has been quite massive um, in terms of agriculture uh, because it started with the what is referred to as the meteorological drought. You know, mm-hmm. the defici- deficiency or deficit in rainfall, yeah. very low rainfall compared to what you would normally have and then it moved on because of the this rainfall uh, decla- d- decline over the n- number of years. It went to affect our reservoirs, dams and so on, sure. and then the, our dam levels have gone down as a result of that. But fortunately, in the summer rainfall regions, we have had very good rainfalls that have really um, filled up some of our reservoirs, but in the Western Cape, um, The drought is unabating. It's still very Mm. bad. It's very seriously seriously, affecting the water resources Mm. in a very big way, such that there are these um, um, uh, restrictions, water restrictions in, in the city. Um, so it's really been bad and you may have had the talk of um, the zero day in April sometime. It's because of the, we have highly depleted uh, reservoirs um, in the Western Cape to supply any mm. other sectors rather than the human uh, needs uh, in that region. So it is that
0: bad. Let me come to you, uh, Professor uh, Yongshin Chu, in terms of uh, the effects of this El Nino uh, drought that we've seen and the effects of it. I, I feel like, uh, you know, we have seen uh, uh, real changes in the patterns of rainfalls as well, and they've become very unpredictable, and some scholars and scientists attribute that to climate change. But as a region as a whole, Professor, uh, do you think that uh, we are taking things seriously in terms of the patterns that we're seeing uh, currently? Uh,
1: hello, uh, Benjamin and uh, Wandini. And also listeners, I think uh, the yes and the no, and uh, this is a uh, very tricky uh, question and to ask and also to answer. And the uh, the whole uh, Southern Africa and uh, particularly in, in in Cape Town and uh, where we got the water crisis situation are slightly different but uh, perhaps uh, let me first uh, give you a little bit uh, uh, background about uh, South South situation before I went into this uh, the courses of that one and the uh, average rainfall for in South, South Africa is about uh, 500 millimeter per year and this is very much less than the worldwide average rainfall of 860 millimeter per year and the uh, in addition the uh, water in South Africa is unevenly and equally distributed because of the rain is seasonal and in some regions it is raining a lot more than in others. The clouds uh, could get stuck in the eastern uh, Cape uh, Mountain Range, resulting in much, much less rainfall and in the western regions. So uh, technically mm. South Africa is really sort of the water city, so that's why you may heard that South Africa is really ranked uh, among the top four forty driest countries. That's mm-hmm. why we really got a problem here. Now, you come to actually the question you're asking is really the causes uh, of root causes uh, of this uh, the water shortage or water crisis. Let me talk about um, perhaps specifically in Cape Town. The well, actually, we expected rainfall in Cape Town City just didn't come to our catchment. And they did, did arrive, and uh, we scattered, uh, we dropped uh, more erratically. And uh, very often, we miss the uh, catchment uh, completely. So that's why we still we failed to uh, to get those kind of rainfall. But the main reason is that we failed to understand the carbon dioxide Mm. The carbon cycle completely mm. especially the carbon source and the carbon sink because there is, we we couldn't still could not get lumber crunch get what what sort of carbon missing there and therefore and so this balance it's not it's not properly understood a global mm. scale which means that uh, distribution of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere through its pressure mm. and temperature would disrupt the weather patterns mm. hence Causing the hydrological variability. For example, that's why it comes to our case that uh, Wang just mentioned about uh, three years consecutive drought. And actually, we the, uh, can, uh, the scientists failed to predict this uh, the three years consecutive drought, especially in the last year. And we just couldn't get it. It's very hard. It's very hard, and uh, so we couldn't. Get a sweep of cold fronts that used to be in Cape Town, mm. and for a couple of nice days, and which can drop the annual rainfall very nicely.
0: Well, let, so let me. That's
1: really, a scientific mm. part of it. Mm.
0: Yes. Let, let me bring it back to you, Wandil, in terms of what the professor is highlighting there, in terms of the unpredictability of those weather patterns, especially in the region. I know also in. In places uh, in southern Africa, when you look at countries such as southern Angola, some parts of uh, Botswana, Namibia, and other countries that we can mention, even in the 2017 year, we saw lower rainfalls. than, uh, than normally that we would experience in the region. And it's, it seems very like what was highlighted by Professor Zhu, uh, the fact that it's very difficult to to see th- the weather patterns in a more predictable manner. So how do we respond in light of that?
2: Uh, s- simplistically, uh, from the Water Search Commission side, we, we've been conducting research over the last couple of years to try and understand the drivers um, of, of drought, the drought occurrence. Mm. One of the first things that we have done, a study that is recently in the process of completion, was looking at characterizing drought from the 50s to the present Mm. and
0: to project. And why from that particular time? Well,
2: first of all, we have noticed the frequency with which the droughts have been occurring over the last 20, 30 years or so. Mm. And we wanted to confirm that through some evidence, researched evidence on this happening to confirm that in the first place and then try to see if we project into the future, if this is likely to happen going into the future. And that information is going to help us in terms of policymaking and the operations that we have and then in the mitigation for for these drought effects and impacts. And um, one of the key things in your question on why is it so difficult to predict. Firstly, uh, the drivers of drought is something that we have not known, uh, you know, we have not characterized that well. We wanted to understand why these droughts are occurring in the first place and what drives them. And we've been looking at the global circulation, this atmospheric circulation, the mm. sea surface temperatures, sure. uh, and, and so on, and to try and link with the offset or the onset of these droughts uh, in the country. So we're trying to understand that link and then the, its impact on, 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 on our water resources in, in agriculture and many other sectors. Um, one of the things that we have noticed is that in these predictions, in these focus that we are doing uh, in the country, The Mediterranean regions, the winter rainfall regions, are very, very difficult to predict. Specifically, the Western Cape, as a case in point, it has been extremely difficult to really predict. I don't know whether this is as a result of the circulations which are slightly different if compared mm. to what is happening in the summer rainfall regions and so on. Mm. As you say, the southern Angola and, and then Namibia to mm. some extent, they mm. are being influenced by the, what is happening in the Pacific Ocean. Sure. And the eastern side of the country is influenced by what is happening in the Indian Ocean. Mm. So, but our models, I think our models have been quite relatively okay in terms of predictions in the, in the summer rainfall regions. But mm. in that winter rainfall region, specifically the Western Cape, it has been extremely
0: difficult. Mm. Well let me take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, bring in uh, uh, the spokesperson of the Department of Water and Sanitation in South Africa uh, Mr. Sputnik Ratao. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back and, and just to really unpack more of uh, how to actually response, what are the response mechanisms that we can utilize also to safeguard, can we have uh, enough reservoirs of water in terms of making sure that we are more prepared in future uh, Uh, because of these uh, unpredictabilities that we are seeing with weather patterns. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Let's take a quick one. We'll be back after this. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605 1711 So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America simply dial 605 47 channel africa giving you the african perspective Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. We are South Africa's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, Thank you for joining us on our various platforms on uh, our www.channelafrica.co.za website, also on DSTV on Channel 802 in South Africa and neighboring countries. Uh, Thank you for joining us as well on our shortwave services. Today, we're looking at the water shortage in Southern Africa. and Now, let's move on to Mr. Sputnik Ratau was joining us on the line spokesperson of the Department of Water and Sanitation and I think that's the big question uh, uh, Mr Ratau in terms of uh, the response mechanisms I know that uh, we've seen uh, Cape Town scrambling now uh, for different forms of uh, mechanisms to utilize to make sure that they provide uh, uh, Cape Town and the rest of parts of the province with enough water but in terms of response mechanisms as a department are we now thinking of uh, what more we can do from a futuristic perspective on how we can safeguard the country in terms of uh, the unpredictability that we're seeing uh, with uh, the climate and uh, weather patterns currently?
3: Uh, good morning, and, and thanks for, for, for the time. I think, um, um, you know, it, it is it is quite, quite important to actually... Uh, um, understand that as part of what we do on a normal day, on a normal basis, is that uh, looking forward to try and see what it is that we can be able to plan for. And in terms of what we try and do in that regard, is is what we call uh, putting together provincial reconciliation uh, strategy studies. And for the Western Cape, this was done in early 2005 Um, And the study was actually completed in 2007, uh, where there were a number of uh, recommendations that were proposed under that study uh, uh, so that we can be able to see what it is that can be able to, to or rather that needed to be done, looking at the fact that it was projected at the time that there would be a deficit between supply and demand uh, by 2022. So, so that there's a number of things that we needed to look at that included surface water. Obviously, as a country, we depend mainly on surface water for for our water, uh, looking at the issue of groundwater as well as uh, desalination and reuse as the major components of, of, of some of those things.
0: So but how also, come... Sorry to, to to cut you off there, speaking. Yeah. but I wanted to just uh, look at uh, this particular issue. There was a study uh, that took place in 2007... Why didn't we see mechanisms unfold uh, after those particular studies? What was the wait all about?
3: It's not that there's a wait. You must remember that, uh, you know, that the, if you look at any f- particular project that we do as, a, as 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 a department, those would be multi-year projects. Where whatever it is that they would be, but be that as it may, there's a lot of work that is already underway, that is being done, that is working together with the provinces and as, as well as with the city particularly, to, to be able to, to, to obviate you know, or alleviate the, the, the difficulty of this. But you must remember that as South Africa depends mainly on surface water, that is dependent on the rainfall that we receive. And when you look at the Western Cape in particular, over the last three years or so, it has been receiving less and less rainfall over time. So you wouldn't be able to expect, really, that there would be sufficient recharge of the water sources in order to be able to make sure that uh, sufficient water is available to be able to look at some of the things that have also impacted upon uh, uh, water use, whether it be your, your, your population growth, whether it be your industrial uh, 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 development as well as agricultural and, and as well as domestic use, all of those things have grown over time. And obviously with that and, and the, the lack of water simply because in the first place there has not been sufficient rainfall. But merit to that is that uh, insufficient kinds of responses to the need to reduce consumption have not come to the, to, to, to the fore. And that has been a cornerstone of where the problem is.
0: Well, before I move on uh, to Professor uh, Zhu, I want to come to you, Wandil in terms of uh, after what we've heard from uh, Sputnik in terms of the response mechanisms, do you think enough has been done? right now to make sure that uh, we've got uh, multi uh faceted approaches in terms of dealing with this particular crisis or is it something that's taken slow because if there were mechanisms that were uh, slowly implemented as alluded to by uh, uh mr ratau then we would not have seen this particular crisis in the western cape or is it more complex than that
2: well as to whether enough was done or not i can't answer that uh but what i can answer is that the drought that is occurring in the western cape um its intensity and its magnitude was never easy to forecast in the first place. it was not expected the reconciliation studies that he refers to were not taking into consideration what is likely to uh, trigger uh, the drought uh, in in the western cape so it was not really really uh, uh, anticipated Mm. Um, As I said, it's been ongoing for almost four years now, and the rainfall has been declining over this period of time. It's never happened before, so that was not anticipated. So the science that we're trying to have and and the investigation that we're currently doing is to check see whether these uh, frequently and high-intensity droughts are driven by climate change or not, and what we should do to anticipate such uh, or uh, happening in the future and what we should put into place as a mechanism to respond to those um, so I think generally in South Africa you know South Africans uh, they have this uh, Tendency, um, uh, this attitude towards water. Water is being free and mm-hmm. is being carelessly used, and nobody really cares because it comes from the it's rain. It's so it's almost it, normalized. It, it it. it. It's something yeah. that we
0: think is always going to be.
2: I think we need to go and try and change the behavior and the attitude of our citizens mm-hmm. towards our water resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, in 2012, as a, as an example, there was a study which was published by the Water Sales Commission on the non-revenue water, and we found, well, we are using case studies in the big metros. And we found that we are actually using almost 40 percent of our water through the leakages from our distribution system that's a massive amount of water so that is a a lot of water that we're using i'm pretty certain even in some smaller municipalities or smaller towns the situation is even worse and we 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 definitely need to improve on those and i know the department of water and sanitation is doing something about this is a war on leaks and something along those lines as whether we are doing enough to put those systems in mechanism i'm not too sure Uh, But in terms of the science, in terms of research, we're doing as much as we can uh, to try and understand these systems so that we can anticipate them occurring in the future and mm-hmm. setting up some early warning systems. We do have some research looking at the early warning systems on the occurrence of the drought and what we need to do to respond to those crises occurring in the future.
0: Well, while you're on that point, Wandile, let me move it to Professor Zhu in mm-hmm. terms of what now, uh, when you look at an, uh, a place like Cape Town, which uh, has a huge, huge uh, uh, focus on its tourism there's a huge population dynamic because of that in in the western cape and it affects the use of water definitely so how should parliaments or rather the municipality uh, respond uh, to that particular um um problem in in the western cape are there options i know there there's uh, people speaking about aquifers and uh, desalination is a big conversation right now professor Zhu.
1: I think uh, yes. We just mentioned that there were a lot of uh, explanation. And uh, for instance, uh, we are talking about uh, the causes of the Cape Town water crisis due to the climate change, due to human caused the global warming. We just discussed this uh, moment ago already. Then you also mentioned about uh, population expanding faster and you know, storage, under storage, successfully. And then also they could also put a blame on possible high consumption, um, prior to this uh, current uh, drought, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But actually, and if you look at uh, this uh, situation um, more carefully, we needed first to understand and, uh, and from the involved the water supply, for instance, Cape Town supply situation.
0: Oh, I'm losing you there a little bit there, Professor. I don't know if you, you can continue, but I've just lost you a little bit there. But continue. Let's see if we can uh, see if that line might get better. Continue, Professor. Sorry to cut and you off. There, there
1: are five steps. First is that uh, how much do we need for the water? Hmm. And secondly, that uh, where it comes from. And uh, thirdly, is that, uh, is that water portable? And hmm. then is that water reliable? Hmm. Lastly, but uh, not least, is that if we keep doing like that, can we continue, and is that sustainable? There five five big question and is essential for water supply. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the five qu- question and if you contextualize the five uh, steps in the Cape Town situation, then you realize their number the the boil down to the three the aspect. Why is that the resource perspective? Mm. another one is the user's perspective mm. and then you have the also the policy in enabling and the environment that sure. perspective so sure. now one thing they just nicely and point out already in mm. terms of users perspective and sure. we haven't done enough because and the, the people had changed attitude mm. and we are even in this new political landscape world for so many years the people still you know keep they, what, they, are, they are doing what they are do, used to do, you know, mm. and we appreciate the water and its value, especially against those kind of water scarcity region. Uh, region. That's one point. And mm. another point is that uh, the, the resource perspective, and the resource perspective we definitely we have, we have made a mistake. Because the, for ages, for long time, Cape Town is almost 100% and rely on the surface water, the dams. If you mm. look at the, the the budget, and six major dams plus mm. some other surface dams, they constitute about 99% of, of water supply. And mm. groundwater only occupies, use occupies 1%. And mm. even we give the warning, and the year 2004, mm. I was quoted on newspaper and say the Cape Town must uh, t- take uh, it must take consideration of groundwater. All right, let me take the
0: that. Let me take that back to you, to 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 Ratao, uh, uh, Professor, because it's interesting the factors that you've highlighted, speaking uh, It's very interesting to hear the professor speaking about uh, the various elements and perspectives of things that have to be considered, and it sounds very complex. Uh, where I'm sitting, just as an ordinary uh, citizen of the country, because you were speaking about uh, the user perspective the types of resources that we that we utilize and also uh, the policies that we implement that are actually relating to water and the fact that he's highlighted that uh, the main resource of water in South Africa since the apartheid days has been uh, from uh, dams themselves and this was a, a mistake since we didn't think of uh, diversifying our water supplies it's a tricky balance isn't it Sputnik
3: yeah. It's, look, it's a tricky balance, but you, you need to, to, to actually make the balance. When you consider the fact that in the ultimate, you know, uh, the, the Constitution gives the responsibility for security of supply squarely on, on, on the department. Mm. And therefore, especially of path, and, and that, that, that is something you cannot move away from. But obviously that gets married to the fact that when you take that water away from the bulk and you take it to the ordinary users, be it industry or whoever, then the issue of reticulation comes in. The the issue of operations and maintenance becomes a very critical matter because even as as, as the colleague from WRC was alluding to the study that was done uh, around non-revenue water, Although the concentration was mainly on the major metros, but when you look at the, the situation at the smaller municipalities, it, it, it's even more, more serious than anything because where you, you find that those leakages happen and therefore you lose water, that should be reaching users. You find that there is no capacity to actually look after that, that, that infrastructure to ensure that either it is repaired, mm-hmm. refurbished, or even it does not fail. So there that, that, that is that as well. But secondly, there is one thing that um, a Minister has has, has, has taken to to, to 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 most platform to say that you know in the situation where we are, the fiscals cannot carry the, the delivery of water and sanitation on its own, and therefore that is why uh, in in December we we had that uh, water infrastructure investment summit to look at how we can bring in more of the private private uh, 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 capital, be it human or or, or even finance, into the sector so that we can be able to do that. Because the cross-pollination of not just uh, uh, financial terms, but as well as uh, thought processes, ideas, and so on, Mm. must be able to come together in order to enrich what we can be able to do as a sector. But in the ultimate, you know, we we have to respect this resource. It is not an infinite resource. There are impacts of, of 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 climate change. We are becoming more of a desert uh, from the west, and obviously we we are one of the most arid countries in, in the world. It's some, so those are some of the realities we have to deal with, and therefore whatever it is that we do, including the sharing of 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 of, of water courses together with our neighbouring countries. All of that has got to speak to the security of supply of, of 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 water for the people of this country.
0: Well, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and then get the final sentiments from our guests. If you're just joining us in our studio, we have Wandile Nomcupo, who is joining us from the Water Research Commission, and we've got Professor Yongshin Chu, Chu rather, who is the Professor of Hydrogeology at the University of the Western Cape, and also is the chain ground Groundwater at the United Nations Education. Scientific and Cultural Organization, also known as UNESCO. Time right now is 38 minutes past 11 o'clock. Let me take a quick one, a quick break, and that's 11.38 Central African time. We'll be back after this. Channel
3: Africa has good news for you. We have extended our reach. If you have an iPad or iPhone, download the Channel Africa iOS app at itunes.apple.com. If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
0: Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. That's what we're all about. Uh, we are SABC's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you for joining us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz, on the 31-meter band to southern Africa, and also on DSTV we're on Channel 802, on the audio bouquet. Don't, be, uh, don't forget, rather, to uh, listen to us as well on www.channelafrica.co.za. Uh, where you can stream us live on that particular service. Finally, so just in a uh, wrap up here, in terms of. Uh the way forward. And uh, uh, it was interesting to hear Sputnik highlighting the fact that uh, as much as South Africans or people in even the Southern African region think uh, water is a an freely and easily accessible um, resource, it's not really, because it's it can be scarce uh, in this part of the world. How should we be looking at water from a policy perspective, from a research perspective, and all, and also from a socio-economic perspective?
2: I think Professor Yongshun Zhu initially uh, made a statement about the low rainfall in South Africa um, being about 500 millimetres sure. per annum and that is true and if you, the translation of that rainfall into stream flow or into groundwater recharge is relatively very low actually is about 10% yeah. uh, so when you see the rain falling you should not assume that that rainfall is going to go into the river that is not necessarily the case Hence, the Department of Water and Sanitation has built these massive dams to store water when it rains and to use it uh, when there's no rain. Usually we have these relatively longish dry spurs over winter and so on. And we, you know, this is mitigated uh, by our water coming from our big reservoirs. And the second thing is that there has been a growing population of, uh, you know, this growing population and by extension, the, uh, the growing demand for the limited and the finite water source. Remember, this 500 millimeters of rain per annum does not increase. It stays the same. But the demand for that water increases every day with the growing population. Mm. And on top of that, there has been this change in land use you know with the uh, cities are expanding the industry is expanding and so on and all those these things demand water and demand this water from this limited amount of water already so i think what we need to do as a country is to go out and preach to the uh, citizens of this country that this country is a water limited country is water scarce in the first place and we have got to change our behavior there are lessons to be learned from the drought that is really hitting the Western Cape and I think it has done so with the even the summer rainfall region of this country. And where we had run out of water in some cases Mm -hmm. because we have a limited water resources. The reservoirs that we have cannot necessarily cater for these massive demands that we have and this wastage of water. So we've got to learn as a country and as citizens of this country that we need to value our water and use it as a available resource that we need to really conserve in many, many cases. In terms of research, we're trying to understand, as I said earlier on, from the Weather Research Commission point of view, this link between what is happening in the oceans Mm. and the onset of these droughts. And from that perspective, we can inform policy, we can inform the operations on the potential onset of these droughts Mm. and the mitigation mechanisms that we have.
0: Mm. Let me get your final words, uh, Professor. you just, uh, in a minute or so, what's the way forward?
1: Thank you. I think um, the water must be valid. If something is not be valid and you cannot manage them properly, this would apply to not only the surface water but also groundwater. I think <coughs> groundwater, especially and in Cape Town area, uh, must must be and uh, are taken uh, seriously. And uh, because uh, we have the the aquifer, they have Cape 5 aquifer, Atlantis aquifer, and, and the Table Mountain group aquifer systems. And those aquifers have previous been treated as a scenario, not properly utilized until now. So I think the future pr- solution is that uh, and those water we must really, really and, uh, and uh, try to utilize it properly. Because what Mandela wanted at one point is that the is a fraction of mm. rainfall mm. And in, in terms of groundwater. That's true, but the groundwater, the storage, mm. that was there accumulated there that over the years, since, since even the hundred years. Those water can be utilized especially to augment and for augmentation purposes mm. in a in the, in the, in the crisis like, like this one. So that kind of conjunctive use, the surface water, underground water should be, and uh, that mechanism should be uh, properly and under, uh, undertaken, utilized. Well, uh, let, let me, me, me
0: issue is that well, uh, let me. Well, let me move. I have to uh, uh, cut you off there. I aprof- Apologize there, Professor Xu. But let me get the final sentiments from you, Mr. Sputenkratao, in terms from a, a department perspective. What how what lessons are you learning from this crisis?
3: Well, what, what we are learning from this crisis, and I must say that this, uh, the Western Cape issue must be seen within the context of the broader uh, drought that has been engulfing the... The, 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 the Southern
0: the, the, African region.
3: Yeah, in the Southern Africa region. But the, 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 the issue is that uh, uh, we, we, we must continue to reduce consumption we must re- re- continue to see uh, uh, look at new ways of of, of, of of dealing with our consumption patterns especially your irrigation and so forth new ways of looking at irrigation we must continue to to, to look at augmentation uh, 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 efforts that include uh, like like the professor was correctly putting it the table mountain group aquifer our groundwater utilization the issue of reuse and I think A lot of us as as normal consumers need to be uh, taught or rather uh, awareness must be raised about how we can be able to reuse to, to well, grey uh, water.
0: Well, we have to let it go there, but thank you to our guests uh, for your time and I hope that uh, this show is also a form of uh, information dissemination uh, to our listeners. Uh, thank you to Sputnik uh, Rata, South Africa's spokesperson for the Department of Water and Sanitation. Thank you to Professor Yongshen Zhu, who is the professor of hydrogeology at the University of the Western Cape, also chairing groundwater at the United Nation spokesperson, scientific and cultural organisation. Thank you to Wandile Nomkupu, who is joining us from the Water Research Commission. I'm sure you're one of the researchers, senior researcher there, or, or research manager there from the Water Research Commission. <laughs>